0: Hello and welcome to Glossy Trend Watch. I'm Jill Manoff, editor in chief at Glossy. This month, we've been bringing you bonus episodes of the Glossy podcast where we've taken a deep dive into the changing role of buyers in the fashion industry. For today's episode, I sit down with Louis DiGiacomo, SVP and Men's General Merchandise Manager at Saks Fifth Avenue. We invited Louis to discuss how the casualization of fashion has impacted his role and how Saks is evolving to reach the modern male consumer. Episode three of the Glossy Trend Watch Buyer Edition starts now. Hey, Louis. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. Thanks for being here. You've been with Saks a long time.
1: I've been with Saks nearly 24 years.
0: Oh, my gosh. Talk about your. Your, tr- your path, where, where have you been in the company?
1: Um, well, this was my first job out of college. Yep. So I started out as an intern in, during the holiday in the New York store in, the, in their holiday department. Amazing. And I spent my first couple of years in the home division. And um, then I ventured my way into men's as an assistant buyer. Yep. And then just worked around through men's into in buying and planning. And uh, I've been in men's for nearly 21 years.
0: Oh my gosh! So
1: this is perfect.
0: We have a lot to d- dig into. I want to c- definitely focus on wh- where the path has gone. What's changed about the role of the men's buyer, um, and definitely what's changed in menswear overall. I'm it's it's changing, changing. Which yes. that would would you agree?
1: Oh, it's changed a lot over the past few years, and dramatically over the last ten or twelve years for sure.
0: Definitely. So your role, the buyer. How would you describe the role today?
1: Uh, a role as a buyer is you know, much different than it was a few years ago. They're definitely you know, much more involved in marketing, planning, allocation. Of course, you know, selecting product you know, yeah. is the most important. And I think you're now, you now the role of a buyer is trying to figure out how do they utilize all of these tools you know, that they're given to really analyze you know, the best selling you know, product and the data. As well as partnering, you know, across you know all functions of the company, with our marketing team, our store planning team, um, our um, events team, you know, etc., to really build a cohesive you know statement with a brand and their category that they own and they buy. Yeah. You know, also I think you know, the role has become you know very very challenging because you know we all strive for the best sell throughs, and also this you know of the role of a buyer, especially a buyer that's buying a lot of European brands. They're traveling, you know, numerous times a season. I mean, I have certain buyers that are probably on the road, you know, 8 to ten, eight to 12 weeks out of the year. Oh, my gosh. You know, traveling back and forth to Europe in numerous cities. Um, you know, during one trip, they can go to seven different cities in one trip, you know, which is very, very exhausting. On top of they have to do their day job and write the buys.
0: Right. We're crying out loud. So how many buyers are on your team? Um, I have about eight buyers on okay, the team. Okay, got it. T- tell me more about this kind of working with marketing and how is this diff- different than it was when maybe you first got became a buyer? What was the role then?
1: Um, there, you really just you, know, you went to the market, went to the vendor community, and you bought the product, and you really spoke to the stores about your vision, and that was really the extent of it. I mean, now marketing is such a crucial role, yep. um, event planning and PR, and I think you know our our buyers, our merchants, they spend a lot of time partnering with all of the um, other teams in the company to really execute their vision and execute our strategy amends, yes. as well as you know, more now talking to the stores to really understand each individual store client because we definitely buy very locally because mm-hmm. a lot in a lot of our markets, especially like in Florida as an example, you know, we'll have you know, five or six stores in Florida and they're all bought very, very differently. So, you know, a buyer has to spend a lot of time talking to our stores, our, you know, department, our general managers, our style advisors to really understand the customer in that in those particular markets.
0: Got it. What would the kind of a typical conversation be between you and a market? Uh, somebody in marketing you could say this is our big buy and this is what we should be
1: <laughs> pushing hard. You know, what what we do now as a company and especially men's is we'll sit down with marketing and events and you know the stores, etc. and we'll we will present our vision for the season, so they can really understand what categories we're going after, what brands we're going after, um, what's the fashion you know you know of the season. So that's what we kind of do right after we're doing our strategies. We'll sit with all of those teams and then we'll present to them so they know how to go approach you know how to approach the men's business for the upcoming season.
0: Got it. So every SAC store, it's got different inventory. How unique?
1: Um. You know, it, it all depends on the level, you know, whether you're a flagship or if you're a store in, you know, Ohio, whether you're on the West Coast or the East Coast or Florida. I mean it really varies you know, the matrix difference yep. by store. And then how we buy, you know, a store is very, very different from fabrications and weights and color. You know, some stores will sell linen, some stores don't sell linen, some stores want very aggressive and bright colors, some stores want a little bit more you know, darker colors. Yeah. Um, so it really varies, and it, like I was saying earlier, you know, a buyer really has to know each individual store, and has to spend a lot of time analyzing that data, but also talking to the stores to really understand. Because you only know, you know, a buyer can only see what they see on paper and understand that they don't know what they didn't buy, whether Definitely. it's a size level or color. Um, so that's why talking to the stores is very, very crucial.
0: Got it, so tell me about that data collection. Are you, you're talking directly to the sales associates. Are you, You're looking at sell-through data. What, what data are you kind of factoring in, and to what extent is that driving your, your purchases? Is that everything?
1: Um, I mean, it, it drives our purchases you know, pretty extensively, but also you know, we try and teach our buyers and the teams you know, to go with their gut feeling. When you're yeah. in that market appointment, you know, the data will tell you certain things, but when you see something you really believe in and you love, you got to go after it. You, know, you just take that data aside, and you, know, you buy with conviction. If you love it, then the stores will love it. If you love it, you're going to sell it. The stores are going to sell it.
0: Totally. Is there something that you recently bought that you kind of saw as a risk that really paid off?
1: Um, I would. You know, I, I don't want to get in specific to a brand. Yeah. But there's been a couple of brands where. You know, the team has gone out there and said, you know, I really believe in the brand. I believe in the designer. I believe in our partnership with the brand. And it's just time for some explosive growth. And, you know, buying thousands of units, you know, is, you know, um, you're pretty aggressive for us in certain categories. And then, you know, like I was saying earlier, if, if the buyer believes in it, and they can sell it easily. And that means the store is going to believe in it and they're going to sell it. Um, you know, some certain categories are like, it's been meant footwear number one. We've yeah. gone after that category, you know, extensively over the past couple of years, and now we're really hitting our stride. You know, this year nineteen, as we we're approaching 20, 2020, especially with our New York renovation, that's been the category that we've been taking big, big bets yes. you know, in totality as well as within certain brands.
0: Yeah, what's that looked like? Looked like Has it been more um, this focus on sneakers and kind of the casual casualization of fashion um, and that's kind of the direction you're going or what's shifted there?
1: Um, I mean, we're going after sneakers, we have been. It's That's been the explosive category, but now we're hitting a moment in time where we're gonna start to rebalance our assortments because if we think there's um, a little bit more opportunity for dress, and dress casual above and beyond just having, you know, all the designer sneakers and going after that one category. We want to really cater to every guy every Next. single day, and we know we need to balance out overall and have all those categories ca- covered a little bit more than we had in the past.
0: That makes sense. Do you have a younger shopper than in the past?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. We, do. we definitely totally.
0: do. And that is that played into what are you seeing overall? Are men still buying suits? To what extent has that dwindled? Uh, Pretty significantly.
1: Um, I think you know we've been going after fashion. Yeah. You know, every, you know, for every customer, whether it's our more core luxe customer who buys like a Cuccinelli or an Isaiah or a Zenia, as well as going after fashion with our pure designer brands such as you know a Balmain or a Saint Laurent or a Balenciaga and a Celine, etc. Um, but we're not seeing we're seeing suiting come back. It never really went away, it just kind of leveled off for a little bit. Yep. Um, but now we're seeing it come back you know, in a dramatic way, especially with our made-to-measure business. Cool. You know, we're offering that personalized service. We're seeing that customer that really needs to, if he needs to dress up, he wants to be a little bit more special and unique, and he wants to make it his own. Yep. And that made-to-measure business has been really explosive for us over the last uh, year or two.
0: Oh, cool. I've, I've been hearing that more and more about customization, made-to-measure. Um, a lot of new brands that are coming to market are really um, Digging into that and exploring, kind of, to what extent does the customer want to customize, or is it too overwhelming, or what are you finding?
1: Um, it, it's not really overwhelming. It, it it comes down to the style advisor because he or she really needs to understand the process. Yeah, really needs to understand how to clientele to it because it is a different you know customer that wants to do made to measure or made to order. Um, you know, explaining that process, going through this the whole ceremony with all the fabrications and all the options from buttons to whether you want a double vented, single vented, three button, two button, um, you know, double breasted, it's it's very extensive and you need to really understand that craft yep. and understand it from beginning to end in order to really, you know, drive it. I mean we have certain stores that aren't in our flagships that do more volume than we do in a, in a flagship because they really go after that business. They clientele to it. And it's not just, you know, one gentleman. They going you know, some, we have some stores do make-to-measure business with an entire family.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: You know, <laughs> from the grandfather, the father, the you know, the children. Yeah. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing when you really can believe in it and really understand how to do that selling ceremony and work with your clients. It could be some tremendous volume.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of unique to what Saks is offering up. What would you say is maybe um, also unique to your curation and what you're able to offer your your shopper?
1: Um, you know, in particular with footwear. Yeah. Um, I would say we're going after this made-to-order. Yes. You know, which is a big, big opportunity oh, that's for us because it was it's very big in tailored and suiting. Yeah. You know, in sport coats, but we think there's a huge opportunity in footwear because we're Selling so much fashion, and it's becoming, you know, such a huge category for us. And now we know it's time to offer this made-to-order, and especially within dress shoes, because we have a, such a huge made-to-measure business with tailored and suiting. Yeah, there's that ability to service that client with you know, specialized footwear for him that will match back to his suit.
0: So interesting. I haven't yeah. even heard of this. Yes. <laughs> this and, is happening.
1: You know, also, I think, you know, our vision of having. You know, we want to really cater to every guy every single day, which is a little bit different than where we were in the past. Um, so now, like I was saying earlier, we'll have a much more well-rounded assortment. You know, in, in footwear, especially in New York with the renovation, where we'll have all the designer brands. You know, and but we're really going after that. You know, we want to expand our offering with luxury and you know the dress shoe component, offering boots, mm-hmm. um, sneakers, drivers, loafers. You know, we really want to cater to every guy every day, not just. Be one, you know, one zone focus. We really want to offer for everybody.
0: Definitely, talk to me about. You mentioned some of those big name brands. Um, the the move from maybe maybe before like you're buying and was mostly done during Fashion Week or during those showroom appointments during Fashion Week. Is that all gone out the window?
1: Um, it, it's changed a little bit over the last year. There's definitely much more. There's many more appointments because vendors are a lot of the designer brands are showing. You know multiple times a season versus just two times a season yeah some of them are showing three or four because they want to you know they're offering these new drops they're showing um, special deliveries during the women's shows so that's where I was saying earlier that our buyers are going back and forth to Europe numerous times a season because the brands are offering a lot more deliveries which makes it challenging for a buyer but also you know, it's very exciting because we're gonna offer newness to our customers every single month, which we're seeing our male consumer is shopping all the time, yeah. you know, especially in footwear and designer ready to wear. He wants something new every single week. So he's coming, and we have data, we, we see him coming two, three, four times a month.
0: Oh my gosh. So it's, the,
1: it's nice when the brands are offering multiple deliveries rather than just one big upfront delivery and then you don't see newness for three, four, five months.
0: Yeah, has that been, would you say, one of the biggest shifts? I was going, gonna ask. In
1: but, the men's market's been yeah. one of the bigger shifts for sure. Definitely. Outside of the casualization, you know, of our consumer, I would say the amount of you know deliveries you know, that the designer brands are offering—it's a big yeah. shift.
0: What about exclusives? Other than that, made-to-measure—is that really become a big strategy for you offering exclusives? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. It's you know, it gives us the ammunition for our style advisors to really clientele to our um, our customers to come in because we have the exclusive product. With the New York renovation, we'll have over 160 cl- exclusive styles on the floor, which is a huge amount you know, of uh, product that will be exclusive to Saks only. Our exclusives will cover across all categories.
0: Definitely, very cool. So tell me about kind of your style, or your buyers. Is there any, as you guys Really work closely with marketing. Is there any sort of maybe on social media they're they're doing their own kind of Instagram and they're becoming kind of these like mini celebrities or faces of the brand or any way that you are kind of um, out there on marketing? is that is that a strategy I mean, at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, we definitely you know work with the stores and our style of ours is you know our style advisors to you know use social media to get you know the product to their clients much quicker than, Calling them and having them come in, or trying to work with them yeah. using our website. Um, a lot of our, you know, style of ours is using, you know, social media to really market themselves and market, you know, market all of our product. Definitely, and we can see the results in a lot of the stores where their where their business has increased dramatically. Yeah. by using social media.
0: I'm sure. Are you looking at Instagram a lot for inspiration and to see what's yeah, trending? Yeah,
1: we we all do. We you know definitely following those influencers. Yeah. you know around and you know men's. It's definitely been you know, a lot of sports and athletes for us and in music have been big influencers for us.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Do you have a presence on social media or on Instagram yourself, or are you giving people a behind-the-scenes scoop?
1: Um, I do, but mine's, mine's more personal. <laughs> um, I do tra- I do kind of track, you know, separately yeah. you know, what's going on with some key influencers for us, but, yeah, mine's more personal.
0: Got it. Tell me about the event strategy and how you're involved.
1: Um, well, we work, like I was saying earlier, when we set that vision for men's and our strategic vision for the season is when we'll sit down with the events team. And, you know, our vision there is definitely do more with less. I'm sorry, less with more. Yes. It's not about, the you know, the quantity events. We really want to make them big and impactful. Um, you know, trying to get an influencer within the, you know, local market or athletes or designer PAs, Um you know, most recently we had done something for the Super Bowl, you know, in Atlanta with the big game. And there it wasn't about, um, you know, a designer PA. We were doing, you know, small events to really cater to the local customer. And it drove lots of traffic to the store. It was a big volume. Um, you know, we had a lot of exclusives around those. So we try and make it a 360 approach. It's not just about the event. It's about the right people. It's about the product, you know, the exclusives or a brand launch. So we're thinking about you know multiple ways and not just trying to have an event in a store because for guys, yeah. you know it's hard to get them in a store for an event. I'm you know, sure. have so many things to do you know just to come in for an event in a store, you really have to have a good angle
0: yeah the men's shopper, the male shopper. He's such a unique beast. Yes. <laughs> Talk to me about what we're seeing. Like I'm hearing that um, men's sales, clothing sales, apparel sales are kind of outpacing women's fashion. Um, what is happening? Are you, are you're seeing the same thing at Saks and what would you say? Is it just that men are becoming more kind of adventurous in their clothing shop, their clothes shopping or what's happening?
1: Um, I w- definitely he's becoming more adventurous. I mean, f- fashion for sure, you know that we keep on pushing the envelope as we're in market, you know, at all categories, whether it's ready to wear or footwear or accessories. It, okay. you know, I think we think he wants to buy fashion. We're seeing it. He's definitely buying fashion. Um, he wants to get dressed. I mean, I think years ago it was more he kind of had to versus now he really wants to, and he he's changing his wardrobe. Based on the event, what he's wearing to work and what he's wearing out, what he's wearing on the weekend, what he's wearing to the game, what he's wearing out to dinner. He's shopping you know, for all those different events in his life, and he's wearing different clothing. He's wearing different footwear. He wants a different you know, leather accessory for it. And he's shopping head to toe you know, versus you know, years ago it was he would come in and buy a suit yeah. and maybe a shirt and a tie or he'd buy a pair of jeans. Now he's thinking about the appropriate footwear, the appropriate belt. Um, it's really exciting. It's a very exciting time in Vince.
0: What talk to me about the importance of physical retail. Is it are your sh- um, buyers, your shoppers buying more online or um, doing more in store is necessary? What are you finding about that balance?
1: Um, I mean, we always think about Omni. Yes. We're not, you know we don't really talk about store only, digital only. We definitely think about Omni. Stores are very, very important because you know, he might shop in store, buy online, shop online, buy in store. Um, so we, we you know we believe in both. Um, he is shopping both. We yeah. you know we see the data where he, when he's shopping Omni he's spending more, and you know our flagships are important you know for us because that's you know when he's coming to New York, you know he wants to, he wants to come to Saks Fifth Avenue. You know with men's he wants to try it on, he wants to see it, he wants to touch it, and you know it's very important for us brick and mortar.
0: Definitely, I'm sure. Are you doing but the buy online pick up in store kind of that kind of. Um, not just yet. Yeah.
1: yeah. Not just yet. It's on the horizon.
0: Okay, great. On your team, what would you say kind of is a mark of success or what makes a good buyer?
1: That's a great question. I, I mean, a good buyer is one that, you know, I think the best buyers are the best sellers. Mm-hmm. Because if you, you know, are out in the market and you're buying something, and you're believing something, whether it's an item or a category or a brand, you really have to sell the entire company. Yeah, what you believe. You have to sell the stores if you believe in a brand because you need them to sell it for you. And if they believe you, they're going to sell it. We need to also, like I was saying earlier, 360 approach with our marketing events and um, PR teams. You, you need to really get them on board. So yeah. if you believe and you love it and you're selling it to them, they're going to partner with you and help you in your success and execute your strategy.
0: Yeah. Do they all have a background in sales or is that, do you encourage that they are kind of on the floor? Um, th- not
1: Many of them don't have a background. I think we just encourage it a lot, and you know, also, you know, we we have this growth mindset, we are trying to really teach our buyers, you know, and the team to think about growing. Yeah. You know, go, let's go after the opportunities and let's grow, which is very different than I think you know many years ago with some of our buyers. Um, so I would think those are the two biggest, yeah, you know, opportunities.
0: Are you finding that a lot of the brands that you've carried for maybe a long time are? I hear from a lot of them that they're trying to go for more DTC sales. They're trying to have a little more control, maybe sell more directly to their customer. Um, is that been a struggle, or um, what are you seeing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's out there. Yeah. You know, they're trying to control that distribution more, or they're trying to move it to their own directly operated stores. But I think at Saks, you know, we, we've been growing so rapidly um, over the past couple of years in men's that we're not feeling that. You know, pressure as much. Yeah. I think it's more about how we grow with them you know, and how we partner with them so we can you know, communicate their brand, brand message, but most importantly, communicate the Saks brand message.
0: Yes. Are you having to become more nimble or more accommodating, or really, like you said, just work with them
1: more. You just work with them. I think you know, I pride ourselves, you know, at Saks and in Men's, you know, on our relationships with the brands. You know, we're constantly talking with them. We're constantly meeting with them, spending time in the floor, spending time in the showroom, sharing our strategies, talking about how we can grow together. Yeah. And I think that is, you know, for us, you know, been tremendous on how we've been growing the brands and our, you know, matrix.
0: Yeah. Definitely. What about collaborations?
1: Collaboration Where does that come in that comes into play. I mean, collaborations are very big. You know, we, we're always out there asking the brands when they're doing collaborations. We want to be the first. We want to be the exclusive, you know, launch. And we're always out there seeking those opportunities. Yes. Um, it's because that's you know gives you that unique moment, you know, that exclusive moment with a brand, you know, before the other um, for our um, competition.
0: Yeah. Has there been a really successful one, or what would make a great collaboration partner?
1: Um. I mean, it wasn't ours exclusively, but Fendi partnered with Fila, yeah. which was a huge, you know, a huge collaboration. I think for the brand and for Saks, um, for us and all of our stores that carried, you know, carried the brand.
0: Are you guys testing the drop model? Like, are you doing really like this time, this place?
1: <laughs> we're we're trying. It's yeah. not as it's it's a challenge. It's challenging to execute for sure because of you're trying to partner with the brands and timing the delivery of those products. You know we don't have that control. um the brands do as well as they manufacturing their supply chain. So it's you know we would love to do it more and more. Yep. it's you know a little bit more challenging to execute, but it, it's a huge opportunity, especially in the sneaker, you know, in that designer footwear zone.
0: We're hearing a lot about kind of the trouble of flagships. what what's the relevance of them? Um some are closing down. some, you know, are proving successful. What? Tell me about your flagship. What's happening more so with with this makeover renovation? Um, When is it going to be open to the public? What are we gonna see?
1: Well, for men's particularly, we're starting now. I mean, it'll be a two-year project for men's alone. Um, We'll be opening our shoe floor this summer, sometime in mid to late July. And for us, it's like the first phase of this grand renovation in men's, which will be completely unique and different than where we are you at the moment and setting ourselves you know, f- apart from the competition, and you know the first phase is men's shoes. We're going to bring men's shoes all together for the first time in our flagship because right now it's separated between two floors. So if you want to buy designer and sneakers, you go to one floor, and if you want to buy you know a little bit more luxury, classic, and dress shoes, you would go to a different floor. And we're going to bring it all together in just over eight thousand square feet. Which is about 60% more space than we have today. Yes. And we're bringing it to the center of the sixth floor, and we're going to connect because mens is on six and seven. We're going to connect the two floors with a staircase. Yes. So we'll bring all you know. So all of our mens customers will have to come down to the sixth floor and shop shoes. We'll have over 60 brands. We're going to kick off with over 160 exclusives. You know, and again, I was saying earlier is we want to you know cater to every guy every day. You know, we don't wanna just be a designer sneaker custom you know um, business. We wanna have all you know zones of business and footwear at all price points. So you can buy a sneaker, you can buy a boot, a boot can be a dress boot, can be a winter boot, it can be a casual boot. Yeah. Sneakers will have you know high tops, low tops, you know, fashion, you know, core, you know, same thing with dress shoes. You know, we're gonna you know some of the services that we'll be offering. You know, I was saying earlier that made-to-order, which we're going to bring you know, that into a big presentation with all of our you know major brands and and partners. So we'll have made-to-order from Pierre Corte, Emanuel Dozenya, Bally, Salvatore Ferragamo. You know, right now we you know it's a small part of the business. We think there's a huge opportunity with this renovation and bringing you know all of men's shoes together. Yeah. Um,
0: when you add that more more variety, it just makes me think like, well, how do you define luxury today?
1: Um, I think it's more about the experience than it yeah. is about the price. You know, I think that when, in the past we'd all talk about luxury as being a certain price point. I think it's about the experience.
0: Yeah. <laughs> kind of learnings from this renovation. Is it going to be kind of a trial where if something works, maybe take that to the other stores? Or um, any plans to kind of bring this shoe experience to stores beyond New
1: York Yes, I mean we actually started bringing footwear together in some of our other stores before New York, just because we were, you know, working on this grand renovation. So we've done it in L.A. We have all we put all shoes together in L.A. um, and you know in all of our other stores, we we'll lead off with men's footwear. We bring both zones of business between designer and classic together. So New York is now just you know the pinnacle of the. You know, of our vision of bringing it all together versus having it separated on two floors. I think it adds that you know experience for the customer where he can see all of the businesses together. You know, like I was saying, whether it's sneakers or boots or dress, he can shop all 60 brands at one time rather than having to go to both floors.
0: What percentage would you say are sneakers right now?
1: Um, I would say it's about 60 to 65 percent of our business. Are you wearing sneakers? Indeed you are. I am.
0: With your blazer. Men's wear. It's the evolution. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Louis. Thanks so much for being Thank here. Thank you. That's all for this episode of the Glossy Trend Watch. Special thanks to Aditi Sangal, the producer of this podcast. We'll be back next week with the next episode, where I'll talk to Alex Willinger, designer sportswear and denim buyer at Intermix. She'll discuss how she ensures a distinct curation and what's recently impacted her buying process. In the meantime, please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and give us a rating. Tell us what you think. It helps our podcast be discovered by new listeners and we'll be back next week.